Shaking everybody, you're listening to Improv Tabletop, the show that is usually the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by Thomas Brower, finally a firebender. Evan Peterson, definitely a different character. Christian Randall, also a firebender. We have a trio of firebenders, which I am very excited for because this is our Avatar Roku era one shot, giving the Fire Nation some love. Before they went on a murdering rampage. <laughs> yeah, this is, we're going to see a little bit of what things were like before that whole hundred year war thing started, you know, back before it was like super obvious that Fire Lord Sozin was a horrible guy. But yeah, we've got a fun little story put together here. It's going to be a bit more lighthearted. So let's go ahead and get into it. A good Fire Nation restaurant is a sensory delight in every way. The smells and sounds of the cooking food underscore the graceful, practiced movements of the chefs, all leading to stunning dishes full of rich flavors and lovely textures. The Simmering Dragon is just such a restaurant in always but one. The Simmering Dragon is built upon Earth Kingdom soil in the burgeoning village of Yudao. Yudao is the first example of Fire Lord Sozin's vision to expand the Fire Nation's prosperity throughout the world, a colony on the western shore of the Earth Kingdom where the native citizens can blend in harmony with Fire Nation immigrants. Now, worldwide opinions are split as to whether creating these colonies is a good idea or not. From the Southern Air Temple to the North Pole, worried conversations wonder how far Lord Sozin's grasp will reach in the name of so-called cultural expansion. How much longer before Bossing Say itself flies the flag of the Fire Nation? But here in Yudao, nearly a year after the colonization, things seem to be working out. Already, weddings have linked Earth and Fire families together, and the combined skills of each nation's craftspeople have led to some of the finest metalwork ever seen. Yes, things seem to be working out, so why not celebrate? And celebration is exactly the reason why the Simmering Dragon is much busier today than usual. As the regulars chatter excitedly across their tables, an aged yet commanding voice calls out from the kitchen. Kai! Get in here right now! Evan, could you describe the person who is weaving their way through the crowd to answer this call? Uh, yeah, this is kind of your classic 30-year-old failure-to-launch type of human being. This guy uh, <laughs> has been getting coddled by his parents his whole life. Uh, he's dressed in really nice clothes, um, very fancy to kind of, you know, fit in with the nice decor of the restaurant. He's got some, like, very unruly facial hair. Um, he, uh, you know, our listeners won't get this, but he kind of looks like me. He's starting to bald on top, losing his hair, very unruly beard, a little pudgier. Uh, if you go to, uh, improvtabletop.com and go to our cast page, you'll find a picture of me and that is what he will look like. Yeah. So you are the son of the owner of this place. And that's basically the only reason why you're the manager is because you're the boss's son. Yeah, I'm a little uh, frustrated that she's calling on me because generally around this time I uh, am in a hiding spot I have amongst some of the crates in the back with some tea. And uh, I'm pretty frustrated that I'm out on the floor right now. (laughs) But yeah, you hear this call and you know who's calling. It is your Nainai, your grandmother, who even though your father is on paper the owner of the Simmering Dragon, Nainai is the one who really gets all the stuff done around here. 
So you walk into the kitchen behind the counter and you see Nainai and she's got a shriveled up old face. Her hair is tied up in the top knot of the Fire Nation. She's got a pretty nice outfit on because today's a special day. And when you arrive, she instantly just starts shouting at you and she says, We can't have the place looking like this when Lord Sozin's dignitary arrives. And she points out with a bony finger uh, to the serving area, which as far as you can tell is already cleaner than you've seen it all month. Uh, But she continues along and she's like, These wall hangings are fine for the common folk, but Master Dong Po is no common folk. If we want to impress him, we need something nicer. Go fetch your father's calligraphy from upstairs. That should do the trick. Oh, come on, Nainai. Do I really gotta head all the way upstairs just to get that down here? It looks fine. It looks fine for you, sure. And she pulls out a spoon and she just bops you on top of your balding head. And she says, But anybody who looks at your beard can tell that you are not quite as dignified as Master Dong Po. The finest poet, the finest gastronome, the greatest cultural mind in the entire Fire Nation is coming here to try our food on behalf of Fire Lord Sozin. And we can't have it looking like a pigsty. All right, all right. I'm rubbing my head. I'll go get the calligraphy. Just put that thing away. She takes the spoon and she stows it in her sleeve. And as you go to find the decorations, uh, the buzzing of conversation continues amongst the patrons. Just like, oh, you know, who'd have thought the Fire Lord himself sending the most celebrated cultural mind in the entire nation to little old Yu Dao here. Uh, But of course, this is a very special occasion. You see, to celebrate the success of the expansion movement and to help remind the people what life was like back in the homeland, Lord Sozin has announced that a new celebration is going to happen, the Fire Days Festival. Every year, the festival will travel to each colony on the anniversary of its colonization, providing its citizens with only the finest of delights. And that includes the finest of foods. Hence why Master Dongpo is going to be arriving later today. His job is to hire the best artisans in all of Yudao to provide for the festival and to be richly compensated for it from the Fire Lord's coffers. So you've got all of the diners here in the restaurant and they have no doubt who Dongpo will choose. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily make anything less stressful for the people who are working in the kitchen. And two such people are cooking frantically at the moment, one at the walk station, the other at the griddle. And let's begin with our walk master. Christian, could you describe your character for us? Yeah, you see a looming and imposing figure, not necessarily menacing, also a beard, but very sharply kept. Very close-cut hair as well, still all of it there, but graying at the temples and graying uh, in the mustache as well. This traditional chef has come from the Fire Nation and while his brother owns the restaurant, he really considers himself the owner of the foods because that's where his passion is. My name is Feng and I put everything that I have into the cooking, everything that I have into each dish and it must be done just right, and it must be a traditional, well-made Fire Nation dish. Yeah, and you have a reputation around town. You know, the people kind of giggle as you go walking past because you always have your walk with you at all times, even when you're not in the kitchen. Um, But, you know, you don't mind what the people say because the walk is what it's all about. I do walk the walk. (laughs) Yes, you do. Yes, you do, in fact. And at this point, uh, your mother, Nainai, comes in, and she's just sent Kai to go and grab the decorations, and now she's checking on the food. And next to the walk station, we have our griddle master, 
Thomas, could you describe your character for us? Yeah, so if you were to take a look at my character, uh, you would see pretty much the direct opposite of what you would see at the walk station. You know, Fang being a very, like, stoic, very tall, like, this is how things are to be done. You'd see a very chaotic mess, but a very cheerful mess as well. Um, I am about maybe 15 years old, and uh, my name is Shertai. And I am a little girl with black hair and I've got pigtails like coming down to my shoulders and I've got my knives just like chopping all this food and kind of like humming to myself and as I scrape the food into like onto the griddle and as it's cooking just before I take it off the griddle I uh, warm my hand up with some fire bending and as I quickly pass it over the top to sort of sear one side of the food and as I do I flip it to the other side and sear the other side and put it on my plate uh, and I go nai nai order's ready and she comes and she grabs the plate from you and says Thank you, Shurtai, but do make sure you put your top knot up before Master Dongpo comes. We need to put on a good presentation for him. Well, he won't be here for at least another hour. Oh, fine. And she takes the plate, and as she's passing through the crowd, she stops at the table closest to the hibachi griddle, and she says, Rhea, your daughter has brought such life to this place. I'm so glad that we were able to hire her on. And Rhea says... Well, I'm so glad that my daughter could work at the establishment of my best friend. And they start chatting back and forth a little bit. And at some point you see like they lean in really close. And Rhea's quite a gossip. She's always got her eyes about town. And as they continue on with this conversation, you notice Nine Eye starts to get kind of frustrated. And after she drops off the plate, she comes back to where Fang and Shutai are. And she leans you in both close and she says... Mm, the wild persimmon across the street is going to be a difficult problem today. And you all know the wild persimmon. It's the Earth Kingdom restaurant just across the street that was there when you guys moved in. You guys have developed a quote-unquote friendly rivalry with the wild persimmon over the past year or so. Uh, the two restaurants, like, definitely, there's no question that one of you is the best restaurant in town. Exactly which one is the best restaurant in town is a matter of some division here in Yudao. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like a friendly school rivalry sort of situation. Everybody has their favorite of the two restaurants. As Nai Nai brings up that they're going to be difficult, I, I just throw my head back and I go, Ugh, the wild persimmon, they're the worst. This festival, like, isn't even for them anyway. Like... It's just for us, isn't it? Oh, now don't say that. We are trying to engender peace and working together between the different nations. I know, but it's not like the king is sending their dignitary from Bossing Say. I mean, this is Fire Lord Sozin who's putting on the celebration. So, like, we already know we're going to get picked, right? Yes. Now, there certainly are Earth Kingdom artisans who are perhaps more superior in creating statuary and metalworking and whatnot. But when it comes to food... I know that a lot of the Earth Kingdom people say that there's not that much difference between Fire Nation food and Earth Kingdom food, except ours is a bit spicier, but we know that there's more heart in our cuisine than theirs. You guys use hearts in the food? <laughs> and when you turn around, you see uh, I've been standing there, and my mouth is like full of the fire flakes we hand out as palate cleansers between the courses. 
And I'm like, I thought this was free range. <laughs> and once again, the spoon comes down on top of your head and she says, you useless grandson of mine. We can't be eating all of the fire flakes. This is our house specialty. And this is what is hopefully going to help clinch the spot for us. But I am going to need more spices from the market because you keep eating all of them up. And she pulls a little scroll out from her sleeve and she unrolls it and she says, here's what we need today for the fire flakes, cinnamon, star anise, fennel seed, clove, Sichuan peppercorn, extra peppercorn because we want them to be extra spicy. And then to add a little bit of extra kick, some cayenne and some sweet paprika. And she starts going through the menu that she's put together for Master Dong Po. And she says, course one. Ash banana bread and smoked sea slugs, a nice opener. Course two, hippo ox bao buns and Komodo chicken udon soup, both extra spicy. Course three, this is where things are going to get really, really exciting. Now, Rhea told me that the wild persimmon are hoping to bring in an entire elephant koi to steam for the ambassador. That is a pretty big thing, but we are going to do one up over them. I'm going to make my special stock nose mushroom stir fry, and on top of it, some nice steamed fugu. Now here's here's the tricky part. While you're out there getting these spices from the market, here's here's the problem with fugu. It is very illegal because if you don't cook it correctly, it can kill you. Mm -hmm. But don't worry, I am a very accomplished chef. I know how to prepare the fugu so that we won't kill the most important gastronome in the entire Fire Nation. However, because it is illegal, we we have to. Okay, so hit, you know old you know old Gakata down at the docks. Mm-hmm. He is a pirate. Um, he he likes to keep it under wraps. So don't go spreading that around to people. But from what I understand, he should be able to secure us some fugu. And he also is the one bringing in the elephant koi from Kiyoshi Island. So here's what I need you to do. Get the spices from the market, then go down to the docks, get that fugu fish. Here's some extra gold just to make sure that there's no issues. And she pulls out a little bag and she goes as if she's about to hand it to Kai. And then she turns to Fang and hands it to you instead. Yeah, so. I, I, even as she's like handing, I'm going to kind of just reach out and make sure it goes into my hand instead. <laughs> and she leans in even closer and she says, and while you're getting the fugu, maybe you just buy that elephant koi as well, just to make sure that the wild persimmon doesn't get it. Ah. Come on, I'm not sure I want to be doing anything illegal. Don't you think this is going to be enough? And I lean over and I grab the container of fire flakes. And as I lift it, I realize it's empty. And I, I, I'm like, I guess that's not going to be enough to impress him, is it? No, it is not. It's not even enough to impress me, let alone a fine dignitary like Master Dong Po. I'm just saying there's got to be not illegal ways to impress him, right? I put my arm around Kai and I go... Kai, don't worry about it. If Nai Nai's sending us to do it, how illegal can it be, really? Nai Nai, you're gonna give this girl a record before she's even 18. When she asks that question, I kind of just like give a side-eyed look at Nai Nai and then just keep my mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) But Nai Nai grabs another bag with some more coins just to cover the expenses of the elephant koi and hands it towards you. And she says, 
don't worry. This is all going to work. We are going to get the Fire Lord's gold. We are going to do the city of Yudao proud. And we are going to show those wild persimmons. And at that, she glares out the front door across the street to where the wild persimmon is. And you can see it's got its regular flock of people going in. And they're also very busy, you know, preparing to try and show Master Dongpo that they're the superior restaurant. And as she's glaring, you can see the owner of the wild persimmon glares back at exactly the same moment. (laughs) And there's this moment of intense, like all the way from across the street, you can feel the sparks flying back and forth between them. And she says, we are going to show K-Ren that we are the best. With that look, are you sure that one's not a firebender? She's got the feistiness for it, but I've got more feistiness, gosh dang it. No argument here, mama. Come on, boy, girl, we're going to the market. Uh, and with that, I suck the heat out of my uh, griddle uh, and just sort of like dissipate it in the air. And I go, all right, let's go, Kai. And I just sort of skip off in the direction of the harbor. And I grab my walk and quickly grab her nape and say, I, 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 market first. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I skip towards the market. Uh, the way out, I uh, swipe another piece of fruit from one of the prep tables. And as you're heading out, Nai Nai is closing up the place early and all of the patrons are milling about and they're like, don't worry, Nai Nai, we're sure that you're going to get this job. And she's like, yes, yes, of course, thank you. And as she's shooing out the last of the patrons, she notices Kai eating the fruit, bops him on the hand with the spoon and slams the doors shut as she goes to begin preparing the meal for the dignitary. And as you are walking out into the street, you notice a similar thing is going on at the Wild Persimmon. And the doors slam, and you can see, similar to how you three help to run the Simmering Dragon, you see those three earthbenders walk out along with you from the other side of the street. You've got the two twins, Ro and Xana, and their older brother, Toto. And they begin walking in the direction of the market as well, and they're just, like, giving you side eyes the entire time you're walking along. Like, Ro and Xana, they don't talk much, but they seethe a lot. Like, every time you look over at them, their heads are kind of down, their eyebrows are furrowed, and they've got their hands in their pockets, and, like, every time a rock comes along, they kick it, and you hear, like, a cat screech in the background. (laughs) And Toto, he's a silent type, very tall, uh, doesn't say much, just kind of easygoing, but he always carries this big old spoon with him that he uses to stir pots at the Wild Persimmon, and you've seen him smack a Komodo rhino on the head with this thing and that Komodo rhino wasn't rampaging much longer after that. Um, I'd like to uh, pick up the nearest pebble I find on the ground and just kind of like hold it and look at it as we walk for a second and then I'd like to start to heat it up with my bending until not I don't want it to like glow or have any signs of heat but until it's definitely like hot to the touch and then I'd like to turn to him and just go uh Hey, catch! And toss the rock to him and try and give him a little bird on their hands if they catch it. All right. Would you say that you are more trying to intimidate an NPC or trick an NPC? Um, it sounds like I'm trying to trick him a little bit. I'm not trying to get anything. I'm not trying to scare him. I'm just trying to catch him off guard and burn their hands a little bit. All right. Roll with creativity. That is a nine. 
All right, so you get to pick one effect. Either they stumble and you take plus one forward to acting against them, or they act foolishly and I tell you what additional opportunity they give you, or they overcommit and are deceived for some time. I'll say they act foolishly. (laughs) Yeah, so you toss it over towards them, and Toto being the tallest, he reaches out with his really long arm and he grabs the rock, and as soon as he does, his eyes widen, and he's still just holding onto the rock, and you see a little bit of steam rising up. And at that moment, the rock is ripped from his grasp and you can see that Xana has used her earthbending to pull it out of his hand and is now just holding it in front of her. And as you look at her with the rock in front of her eyes, she is just glowering at you with ultimate hatred and you see the rock shatter into dust in front of her. (laughs) At that, I just laugh and go, (laughs) Xana, you're hilarious. Oh gosh, I wish we hung out more. And I just start like skipping next to her. Like a friend would, like really close, even though she hasn't been kind to me like ever. And I just like start talking to her and be like, So, what are you gonna get? Oh, we're gonna get some more spices and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. It's just a shame that you're not gonna win today. I mean, it's just a shame that we're gonna be uh, the one that Fire Lord uh, sows and picks. But you know what? You do a lot of great things for the Earth Kingdom, too, for the Earth uh, benders of this town. I mean, they've got to get their food from somewhere, right? Roll to push your luck. <laughs> yep. Yeah, when you push your luck in a risky situation, yep. Ooh, that's a 12. All right. So on a 10 plus, your boldness pays off despite the cost. And I tell you what other lucky opportunity falls in your lap. And Xana, as you're walking along, she's just looking straight ahead of her the entire time, not looking towards you, shoulders hunched up around her neck. And she's like, you know, Fire Nation citizens are able to come to the Wild Persimmon too. Oh, no, I definitely know that. And I know some do, but... I just don't think, like, your food agrees with us, you know? It's just just too different, you know? She sinks her head a little bit further into her shrug, and she says, Well, just you wait until our elephant koi recipe knocks the socks off of that dignitary. <gasps> elephant koi? And at that point, Ro reaches over and she smacks Xana on the shoulder, and she's like, Don't give away our secrets! At the same time, I want to just, like, as she exclaims, Elephant koi? I want to kind of just take my walk and go behind the back of her knees to just kind of knock her so she falls sitting into my walk and then turn it over my shoulder like carrying a bandana on a stick over my shoulder. Was that to me? (laughs) Yes, that's to you. (laughs) Do you want to let him do that? I'll do that and be like, whoa! But Fang, you know, he's just kind of like the older brother I never had, so why not? I mean, like, really old, though. Like, a really (laughs) old brother. Like, he might as well be my dad, older brother. What'd you say the older twin's name was again? Uh, you've got Ro and Xana. I'll just say, uh, yeah, Ro, that's a big secret. Uh, an elephant koi's good enough. It might make up for the fact that you guys never learned how to season your food. Man. <laughs> Trash talk. Man, I'll say roll to intimidate this time around. Fang is just over there, like, sweating, like, don't start this, don't start this, don't start this. Look, look, I may not want to do the work, but it's still my family's restaurant. <laughs> That is going to be another nine. So that means that one of these effects is going to happen, and I get to choose which one. Either they run to escape or get back up, they back down but keep watch, they give in with a few stipulations, or they attack you but off balance, and I mark a condition on them. They are going to run to escape or get back up. 
So Ro and Xana at this point are just like seething and you can see every time they take a step, the ground starts to crack a little bit with each footfall. And before they can get too into it, Toto reaches down and he puts a hand on each of their shoulders and says, now girls, let's not worry about these guys. Let's head over to the granary. And he looks over at you guys with his lids kind of down in a skeptical sort of fashion, but he begins leading his sisters off and they continue creating this little crevice in the ground behind them as they go. Okay, bye, Xana. We'll hang out later. Fang just has like the one hand is holding the walk over his shoulder, holding this small little chaotic child in the walk and the other is just covering his brow, just shaking his head. Now listen here, you two. This is not the kind of trouble that Mama wants right now. We have a big day coming up and we need to try to make sure that our sabotage is not necessarily known before it happens. It is a mentality I don't think either of you have, this planning for victory. (laughs) I sort of cock my head and I go, sabotage? What are you talking about sabotage? I mean, I was just talking to my friend, just genuinely confused. So rude. (laughs) But despite the rudeness, that's just what brothers say, but like really old brothers. That's what they they say. Just kind of like take the walk down and pour you out onto the ground so you can keep walking. (laughs) And as I tumble forward, I like strike a pose as I stand up and then I just start like skipping and meandering along. And so eventually you guys make it to the market proper and Fang and Kai, as you guys are kind of walking a little bit behind Shutai as she's skipping along, uh, you start thinking back to... So, like, the reason that the owner wasn't there, that being Kai, your father, Fang, your brother, he had to go out and meet Master Dongpo early. And before he left, he was like, All right, I trust both of you implicitly. Now, I know that Nai Nai can get a little bit overzealous sometimes, but I want to make sure that we are getting this job out of the merits of our own cooking. Just make sure that no scenes happen, make sure that nothing too untoward happens, and just make sure, you know, Shotai, I love her, she's great to have around, just make sure she doesn't do anything young and foolish <laughs> if you if you were to see this memory from my perspective i hear all that i see all that behind my brother i see my mom and she's just slowly shaking her head the whole time <laughs> <laughs> yeah your brother he has a good mind for business but like you said maybe not the mindset of conquering and succeeding if you were to see my perspective of this memory, you would only get half the audio and the visual would be focused on the walk full of sweet and sour Komodo chicken being tossed up in the air in the background. <laughs> and if you were to see my perspective of this memory, I'd be going through the latest scrolls going through teen fashion and like the section called, no, he didn't. And as you arrive in the market, that's the first thing that you see, Shirtai, is the scroll stand that has all of the latest gossip and all of the hottest news from back home on the Fire Nation. Oh my gosh, 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 and I just run on over there and completely forget the assignment. Um, I, Ned, would like to find someone just a little bit younger than her. Um, maybe just shopping, seems a little bored, maybe playing. Looking for like a 10 to 12 year old kid. Are there any kind of around? 
All right, yeah, you, you're looking around and you notice that there are a couple young boys who have sat themselves down in just the middle of the street. People are walking around and they're all super annoyed, but they've got a pie show board set up in front of them and they're placing tiles down back and forth and they appear to be very, very focused on the task at hand. I'd like to walk up to one of these pie show boards and be like, Hey, uh, any of you want to make? Reach into my pocket. Uh, five silver. And the boys turn up to you, and simultaneously, from under their bowl haircuts, they push their glasses up their noses, and uh, one of them says, Well, uh, what do you got in mind? Here, and I hand them the spice list, and I say, Go around, get these, I'll give you two silver now, three when you come back with the spices. Of course, that's that sounds great to me. And they both get up and they just abandon their pie show game where it is. And the other boy turns to the boy that you gave the list to and he's like, this is a wonderful economic opportunity for us. And they just go (laughs) rushing off into the market. And I go, you're very welcome. And I immediately find a place off to the side to lay down and just kind of like put my arms behind my head and enjoy the sunlight. And Fang, being the only responsible person in this group, what would you like to do? (laughs) Well, Fang, first thing I do is I, I watch the child run off towards the tabloids. And I watch the incompetent walk off to have someone else do his job. And I just kind of shake my head and I do that twirly thing you do with walks. If you if you have a walk, you know the twirly thing where you just have to twirl it because it feels so good in your hand. <laughs> just walk things. I mean, you got to walk the walk. Walk the walk, talk the talk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and having been sent on many of these excursions, I will go ahead and just attempt to buy all the spices myself that I know are on the list because I've done this so many times. I know what she needs. And I you remember. You don't trust this child to get our spices for us? <laughs> I think there's a very good chance that someone who is having a very good economic opportunity may not be looking for the best quality ingredients for uh, a competition. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, you hear me go, what? Dai Cho totally cheated on Vao Shea. Gosh dang it. Oh man, those Ember Island players and all of their crazy stuff they get up to. Uh, I'll say, Fang, go ahead and roll to rely on your skills and training to see how good the spices are this fine morning. Absolutely. I'm, I'm like holding up each distinct star anise, making sure it's well formed. I'm sniffing it, giving a little squeeze, see if I can get some odor out. Mm-hmm. Um, with the hammer, when I rely on my skills and training, it says I can roll with passion. I will be doing that as cooking is my passion. That is going to be a 10. 10, very nice. So that means that you do it with no consequences. And you eventually get to like, okay, you pick up the cinnamon, you pick up the star anise, etc., etc. And eventually you get to the Sichuan peppercorns. And you notice there's these two little boys there looking at the peppercorns. And they're like, I, I, I don't know the difference between the black ones and the white ones and the pink ones. And you just like shove them aside and you <laughs> make sure to grab the right ones, the pink ones, the Sichuan peppercorns. And you have collected all of the stuff and you go to round up your layabout nephew and this little girl who you are more of a babysitter to than an older brother, realistically. (laughs) When you wake me up, I lift my head and I uh, look over at the pie show boards and I look up at you and I go, how long was I taking a nap? And I pause for a moment, just look at him and I say, Four hours. You missed the competition. Oh no. Nana's gonna kill me. And then I gently take the walk and I bonk him on the head. 
not a very long guitar boy. Uh, where are the kids? I, uh, I gave them some money to go get the, uh, the spices. They show up, and you see that they've got a bunch of just random stuff all kind of mixed into a bag. They didn't even try to keep them separate. And you can see, like, yeah, there's cinnamon sticks in there. There's star anise pods. But there definitely are white peppercorns in here instead of Sichuan peppercorns. Well, you just mix it together when you cook anyway, right? Oh, no. Yeah, I, I, I look at it, and I go, perfect. Thank kids and I toss them the three silver and grab the bag and I twist it up and pop it in my pocket and then I, I pull it out of my pocket and I reach in and it was too full and I pull out the uh, bag of that sweet and sour Komodo chicken I had watched being made earlier <laughs> that I had wrapped up and shoved in my pocket I pull that out so there's room for the spice bag uh, and then I just look at Fang and go okay got the spices we should be good for that uh, for the fire flakes now and then I start uh, munching on sweet and sour Komodo chicken from this little uh, cloth I've wrapped it in. If you ever find a way to monetize pocket chicken, you will be a success. But uh, this is not very appetizing right now. So maybe you walk behind. We go into the docks now. Ugh. I don't know why this isn't already monetized. This is a great idea. <laughs> and you guys continue towards the docks. And as you arrive, it's kind of a T-shape almost where there's one long dock that's kind of parallel with the shore. And then that leads into the main dock that goes further off into the harbor there. And you guys come to the eastern end of the dock entry. And as you're stepping up onto the dock, you see coming over from the western side at exactly the same moment, Ro and Xana and Toto walk up as well. And you look at them, they look at you, and you both look at the very far end of the dock where Gakata's ship is, and they start sprinting in that direction as fast as they can. Oh. <laughs> I go, oh, race, Xana, all right. <laughs> and I just start sprinting after her as well. And as soon as she runs off, but before Fang, I'm not sure if you're going to run, but before you have a chance, I'm just going to go, ah, dang it, they beat us to it, and make no attempt to hurry. <laughs> I will pause looking at my walk, thinking maybe I can clothesline some people, and I'm going to hear you say that, and it's just going to boil my blood, so I'm going to one-arm pick you up and just start running. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How ripped is Fang? I am not a small man. I am, I mean, I'm used to picking up, you know, uh, rhino hogs and gutting (laughs) them and prepping them for food, so one hand each kind of rhino hog. And sure, Ty, to move out of your workspace, right? Am I right? absolutely, yeah, like just by the back (laughs) of the uniform every day. (laughs) So you guys start rushing, they start rushing, and we're going to see what happens after a short break. (gasps) Oh no! Hey there, Ned here. Hope you're enjoying today's episode. Uh, Avatar Roku's era is an interesting one to try and tell stories in because we know just so little about it compared to all the other Avatar's eras, but I'm pretty happy with the story that we ended up with. I feel like it's a good way to tie it in with the broader canon of the Avatar universe. Um, Aside from that, I don't have a lot to say during this break. It's going to be a pretty short one. So I just want to give you a programming reminder that next month in December, we'll be releasing our Avatar Aang era one shot. And then at the beginning of next year in 2022, hopefully in February, if the books are released on time, then we'll be starting our full length Avatar Legends campaign, which you'll be able to hear on this channel. And that's pretty much it. Hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. This episode is sponsored by Cactus Juice. Probably not. Whatever. 
Enjoy the episode. Now, getting back into the action, I know you guys aren't per se like trying to harm each other, but I want to see how we can use these combat approaches to simulate a chase. So we're going to get into an exchange here and we're going to start by figuring out who's going to choose which approach. So would anybody like to defend and maneuver? Me. All right. Would anybody like to advance and attack? No, thank you. <laughs> and would anybody like to evade and observe? Yep. Evade and observe. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with the defend and maneuver round. So Shirtai, go ahead and roll with focus. I got a four. Ow, yeah. So that is a full failure. So yeah, you start running and you just get so caught up in this idea of, oh my gosh, my friend is finally doing a race with me. And I try to do like a cool new firebending like maneuver I see professional racers do where I like try to jut my hands out behind me to give me an extra boost. And I'm like, trying to shoot fire out of my fists to give me like an accelerated boost and uh yeah it just is slowing me down (laughs) so at that moment xana is also defending and maneuvering and what she's going to do is seize a position and she's going to try and get a bit of a head start on you guys by leaping across. So instead of waiting to get all the way to the corner of the dock to start heading out to the harbor, she's just gonna try and leap across. Like she summons a couple of rocks down from the lake bed and she steps on top of them and is gonna shoot herself over that gap so she can get a head start on the main stretch of the dock. Ah, that is clever. Can I actually change? Because it has been a while since I've played this and I'm remembering that I can do certain things. Yeah, so uh, which one would you like to do? I'd like to advance and attack. All right. So we're going to move to the advance and attack round now where we have Ro and Fang. So Fang, go ahead and roll with passion. That is 12. Whoa! Ooh, very nice. So you get to choose two advance and attack techniques. Guys, we roll really well when we play this game. Not me! <laughs> I would like to smash. So I'm going to mark one fatigue to take my walk and with one hand blast fire into the cooking side so that the bottom heats up and backhand swing at one of the crates so it'll explode and hopefully some of the wood will catch a little bit on fire behind me to create sort of a hindrance to the people behind us. (laughs) All right, so you're rushing forward with a smash. That is also what Ro is doing. So you on opposite sides of the dock from each other, you smash this one crate. She reaches into another crate with her earth bending and grabs a bunch of statues and she starts to like line them up in front of you guys to form like a barrier and you as you smash the other one you look at the label on it and you see that this crate is full of fireworks (laughs) and at that point rockets start like shooting across the dock (laughs) and they're like smashing into the statues and exploding and there's these big flaming bursts of chemicals burning in the air so with that she is going to inflict the status of impaired to you guys on your side of the dock 
And what status are you going to inflict on them? I would like to also do impaired. <laughs> All right. So aside from Xana, who already leaped further ahead, anybody who wants to try and get past these statues or these flying rockets is going to have to either mark one fatigue or take a minus two to all physical actions. So that concludes the advance and attack. And that brings us to evade and observe with Kai and Toto. So go ahead and clear one fatigue and roll with creativity or harmony. I like how this game allows me to flavor-wise be useless, but mechanically still do stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So I rolled a seven. All right, so you get to choose one evade and observe technique. Yeah, so uh, if I were to describe what I'm partially doing here, I googled the definition and one of the definitions of evade is avoid. So I am avoiding this fight and watching what's happening. And as I finish up the last of my sweet and sour Komodo chicken, I'm going to look out at Fang and see him smash this crate and just well, go. Well, you are under his arm at the moment. Oh, gosh, he's, you're still carrying me? <laughs> I mean, I got you here, but yeah. Oh, gosh, that changes so much. So from his <laughs> arm, I'm still eating the chicken then. And I look up as he smashes the crate and I'm just going to go, yeah, Fang, you can do it. And uh, I'm going to bolster or hinder him. <laughs> I feel so bolstered. <laughs> yeah, Fang, you got it. And uh, this swell of inspiration, Fang, is going to give you the prepared status so that you can clear it to give plus two to a roll or to avoid marking a condition. You always have to be prepared with Kai. <laughs> and I guess I'm just going to stay held. <laughs> All right. So Toto is also using bolster or hinder. And what's happening now is Ro is continuing to rush and she sees that there is now this big jet of fireworks in front of her, but she looks towards Toto and they both nod at each other and he pulls out his spoon and levels it onto the pier and she steps into the bowl of the spoon and he tosses her up over the streaking fireworks. Catapult! (laughs) And he's going to give her the favored status so that during the next exchange, she can choose an additional technique to use. Catapult! Catapult, Fang, throw me. (laughs) I think I will. Well, it is time for our next exchange. Uh, So, would anybody like to defend and maneuver? All right. Would anybody like to advance and attack? Yes. Me. I guess that'd be me if I if I am the human projectile. I suppose <laughs> I am attacking. All right. All three advancing and attacking. Huh? That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So starting with defend and maneuver, we're going to begin with Row, who is now being catapulted over the top, and so she also is going to use seize a position to try and get herself a little bit of a head start and is also going to use the ready technique and is going to mark one fatigue to give herself a fictionally appropriate status. And she is going to choose prepared. So she also is ready for what's coming and she can clear prepared to take a plus two to an appropriate role or avoid marking condition. Uh, I believe, sorry, I believe I may have misinterpreted what I'm trying to do here. So if I'm being thrown, I was thinking I'd be striking, but that's for a foe already in reach. I think I'm also technically seizing a position because I am being thrown to a new location. (laughs) So here's what I'm going to say. Uh, We'll retcon the order a little bit and you could also be defending and maneuvering I think you're getting yourself ready for the throw because that's what he's going to be doing. So roll with focus to see if you can get that ready. And if you do, then you can choose one of these statuses for yourself. Come on, Kai. Focus on something other than food. (laughs) 11. Nice. You can choose two of these techniques. All right. 
So I, I'm seizing a position. I'm going to uh, be thrown through the air. So as I'm falling towards whoever's closest to us, I just want to like kind of be a little unstable in the air and just start like blasting fire out of my hands, hoping that it will somehow stop my fall and kind of get them in the in the way of my fire, kind of like almost an accidental rain of fire from above. And then as I hit the ground and tumble, I want to get back up to my feet and ready myself. All right. And so which of those statuses would you like to give yourself? Uh, I am going to give myself... How does this favored work? You're buoyed by circumstance. Choose an additional basic or mastered technique next exchange. Does that mean like ready, retaliate, and seize a position are techniques? Yeah. The way it works is usually on a fail, you get zero techniques. Partial success is one. Full success is two. If you choose this, if you get a failure, that's still one technique. Partial is two. Full success is three. Okay. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be buoyed by the circumstance of falling through the air. All right. (laughs) And I am now favored for the next exchange. Okay, that is going to bring us to advance and attack with Shutai, Fang, and Toto. Uh, and really quick, describe that we are hindered. What are we hindered with again? I'm sorry. So there's this big row of statues that she earthbent out in front of you that you have to dodge your way around. Okay, sounds good. And you are impaired, so you have to mark one fatigue or take a minus two to all physical actions. Um, I am refamiliarizing myself with a few things here with the hammer. I did choose the wild persimmon as my adversary, so I get some boosts against them. So I better remember that this time. Nice. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) That is a 13. Ooh, yeah. So you get two of these techniques. I would like to use my special fighting technique, overwhelm. Mm. I mark three fatigue, and I would like to use this um, when he says, throw me. I kind of just turned him so he's in the bowl of my walk a little bit. I mean, he's a full-grown man, so he doesn't fit as well as the small child I had in there earlier. <laughs> but using firebending, as I draw back, I'm going to start heating up my firebending. And then as I throw him, I'm going to kind of rock it out of the back of the walk to give it just rocket speed to catapult him past everything. So I'm going to overwhelm. I can mark up to three fatigue or conditions in any combination to force your opponents to mark the same number of conditions. So I'm marking three fatigue, and I want to just launch him so that when he falls, it'll mark three fatigue on whoever he falls on. From my crazy hand fires. Yes. I'm picturing the first half of this. I'm actually like in a very graceful swan dive form. And then right as I reach the peak, legs start kicking, arms start swinging. (laughs) And as I approach the dock, fire is just flying out of my hands in these crazy flamethrowers. All right. And what would you like your second technique to be? I would like to skid to a halt. um, And I look up and I want to... Using my moves, is that something that I can do during combat? Uh, which move are you looking at? Stand and fight. I'd like to provoke an NPC opponent to attack me. Mm, yeah, I think, I don't know if this is technically allowed, but I like it, so I'm going to allow it. All right, I'm going to go ahead and uh, it's Toto behind me, correct? Yeah. So I'm going to look up and classic firebender. I'm going to snort out my nose so a little bit of smoke goes... <clears throat> And I'm going to try and get him to come after me and leave the other two to run ahead and, oh, hopefully not mess up. (laughs) We shall see. So I roll with passion. That is a nine. 
So that means that uh, you don't get the additional bonus of clearing a condition or becoming prepared, but you have guaranteed that he is coming for you specifically. Ooh, I have one fatigue left. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But yeah, just to real quick kind of resolve what's happening with Kai as he's just sort of windmilling through the air. It's kind of like in the first Iron Man movie where he's trying to figure out how to use the propulsion system <laughs> and he's like burning his cars and all this stuff. <laughs> so you're like flying over more crates and you're lighting off more fireworks in your wake. And eventually you just kind of like head over heels, slam right into row and you both kind of land in a pile and she's just moaning as you pick yourself back up and get yourself ready to keep going. Uh, <laughs> but still part of the advance and attack. We're going to go to Toto next because he has been provoked. Uh, I'm sorry, just to clarify mechanically, is, did Ro just get removed from combat or is Ro still going to be ready to go? She has taken three fatigue, uh, but she still has some conditions left, so she's not out yet. Okay. So Toto, he's just going to strike. He takes that big old wooden spoon and he's going to try and just bop you right on the head, much like your mother often does, but with a bit more force this time. So he is going to let you choose whether you want to mark two fatigue, a condition, or shift your balance. I will shift my balance away from care and towards force. All right. This is a moment to not be as delicate. This is turning into an actual intense situation. You, at the last moment, like, you swing up your walk and you deflect the spoon before it bops you on top of the head as bowl of spoon connects with bowl of pan and you look each other in the eyes. And then I say... Why don't we walk about this? <sighs> and you get shot immediately. <laughs> he rolls his eyes as he rears back his spoon. Worth it. But Shuatai, uh, roll with passion to see how many of these techniques you get. Oh, I got a seven. All right, so you get one advanced attack technique. Absolutely. So I'm going to... Honestly, I, I'm i kind of like oblivious to everything around me, so I'm going to do the pressure and try to impress a foe. Then who's around me again? I forget. So you, at this point, are still back with Fang and Toto. So I'm going to uh, impress Toto. I'm going to start... <laughs> this is really dumb. I go up and I go, did you know I could do this? And I just create like fireballs in my hand and I just start juggling them like right in front of him this is so dumb um, he's like in conflict with Fang and then I like pop up cartoon like directly in between them and like push them back away from each other and I was like I'm like ah uh? All right. So you get to choose one of the approaches, and Toto will not be able to use that approach in the next exchange. He cannot advance or attack. Which might make things a little bit difficult because he really, really wants to smack Fang in the face right now. But that's going to be his problem. And we're going to finish out the exchange with Evade and Observe. And Zan is the only one who hasn't gone yet. And Xana looks down at Ro as she's just been flattened onto the pier as Kai rolled over her. And so she reaches down and she's going to bolster Ro, pick her up and be like, come on, we're so close, we can get this. And she's going to pick her back up and give her a little shove in the back to get her back up on her feet and is going to give her prepared. 
And that's going to bring us to the top of the next exchange. We essentially have two separate groups here, separated by fireworks and statues. So back on the side of the dock that's closest to the shore, we've got Shutai, Toto, and Fang. Then on the stretch that's actually leading to the ship, we've got Kai and Ro and Xana. And so the three of you who are further ahead, you can see you're not very far from Gakata's ship at this point. Like, you could get there in one more good sprint, you figure. So, let's decide what we're going to do. Who would like to defend and maneuver? Me. Alright, who would like to advance and attack? I would. I'll also do that. Alright. So, that's going to bring us to the defend and maneuver situation. This is going to include Kai, Ro, and Toto. Uh, we'll start with Toto real quick. He's going to choose to retaliate. So either of you, if you inflict fatigue, a condition, or shift his balance, he gets to inflict one fatigue on you. But now, up at the very head of this pack, we've got Ro, who's just been picked up and Xana pushed her along, and we've got Kai. So go ahead and roll with focus, Kai. Yeah, that's snake eyes. Ooh, that is as bad as it gets. Okay. Well, luckily for me, I still get one because I am favored right now. That is correct. You're cashing in your chips. Yeah. So what I'm thinking I'm going to do is having uh, sort of done this Iron Man learning his suit moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can empower myself with my hands and my feet and I want to blast fire out of all four of them in an attempt to like shoot myself down the dock, which doesn't work, but I'm standing right in front of a crate of fireworks and as I blast them straight with a huge blast of fire, they all just explode simultaneously and launch me forward down the dock and I'm going to seize a position and use the power of this explosion of this crate to launch myself towards the boat. The ultimate slacker. <laughs> Alright, so you are seizing a position, and at the same time, Ro is seizing a position as well. Ro has grabbed a couple of stone urns, some big old pots from a crate nearby, and has placed her feet into each one of them, and is bending those along the dock to give herself some speed. So the two of you are like neck and neck, you iron manning through the air, her black panthering along the ground, and you guys are going to reach the boat at the same time at very high speed. And we will see what happens with that in a little bit. But now we're going to go to advance and attack, which is everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shutai and Fang roll with passion. Oh, Evan, I got double sixes. <laughs> I, I take my luck and I give it to you. Perfectly balanced. Indeed. All right, and Fang, what'd you get? I got a 10 total. Nice. So both of you can choose two techniques. I'm going to use one of my techniques specific for the idealist and disorient. Ooh. It says pummel them with blows and mark fatigue to shift their balance. I'm going to pummel them with blows, but they're going to be verbal blows. And I'm just going to be like jumping up and down. And I've tried distracting them, you know, with my fire juggling. And so now I'm just going to keep bombarding them with questions and be like, Toto, what's your favorite recipe? 
what do you think about the latest gossip? What do you think about that? You know, and like, I'll, <laughs> and just bombard him with one thing after another. And that's going to be my pummeling with blows. And uh, I'm going to try and shift their balance with that. Uh, just going to mark one fatigue to do that, even though I know I will take a fatigue in addition to that as well. All right. And so he is going to shift his balance one in the direction of... I hate the Simmering Dragon so much. <laughs> and so since he took the retaliate action in response to that, as you're just yammering in his face, eventually he just takes the tip of his big old wooden spoon and jams it in your mouth to shut you up. <laughs> and that is going to inflict one fatigue on you from the retaliation. Yep. And for my second technique, I'd like to smash, because we still have those columns in between here and the ship, right? So I'd like to try and smash them. So with that spoon in my mouth, I kind of like look at him with an annoyed face and I can go like, (laughs) and I shove the spoon out of my mouth and I just take the fire and I breathe. And I get this teen angst rage and the fireballs grow and then they condense into one massive fireball, which I then just chuck at the stone and creates a perfect size hole that has gone through the pillars, no longer blocking our way to the ship. All right. So you successfully overcome that status and open up a way for you. Fang, what would you like to do? As soon as I see her get struck, my immediate response is to try and do bodily harm to Toto. (laughs) This guy's gonna die. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, Avatar, so people don't actually die. Yeah. But basically, he's gonna die. (laughs) Um, But instead, I, I see how hardcore she is in her response. I'm like, you know what? This kid can handle herself. So instead, I look around at the burning slash stone-ridden docks where I'm assuming the taste tester will be coming eventually. Mm -hmm. And I think, "Hmm, this is not going to look good. So I am going to attempt to use... I mean, I'm also just like over here panting and breathing heavy because I'm on my last fatigue. So I am going to use pressure and I'm going to try and intimidate Toto so that next time he won't be able to evade and observe because I'm going to try to throw him into a frenzy with what I do next. Okay. I'm going to mark my last fatigue. I'm going to try and smash. I'm going to try and just not using firebending. I'm going to just, after all those years of doing prep work early in the morning, doing dishes late at night, you know, all that scrubbing and lifting all my massive muscles, I'm going to just start picking up earthenware and stones from the dock and just start smashing the parts that are on fire so it looks like all the damage was done by earthbenders. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Okay, so you're setting him up. What status would you like to inflict? Um, I would like to inflict... He could feel trapped. I think I'd rather do stunned. He is so shocked, like, oh, why are you not using your firebending? Why are you using earth? And then once it clicks, he has that moment of oh no, this is going to look really bad on us. Yeah, so Toto is going to be unable to act in this next exchange as he needs to take a few seconds to steady himself. And then that brings us to Xana, the final person. She's going to come rushing back towards you. She's leaving the chase up to Kai and Ro at this point. 
and Shu Tai, she comes up behind you. She's so annoyed with you at this point. She's just going to like tap you on the shoulder and then just smack you in the face. She's going to strike you. I thought you guys were friends. Xana! And she's going to mark one fatigue to force you to mark a condition. How does getting smacked in the face by your friend make you feel? Xana! I'm like really angry right now. <laughs> I wish our listeners could see the acting clinic Thomas is putting on right now. A master class. <laughs> this is even worse than when Dai Che betrayed Val Shao. I can't remember if those are their names. Dang it. That's improv, baby. So that brings us to the end of this exchange. So we've got just this big old mess, debris flying all over the place, stuff on fire, people yelling at each other. And then up at the very end of the dock, we've got two people flying at high speed towards the ship. <laughs> and you can see at this point, uh, Gakata, the owner of the ship, is pulling some nets up over the edge of the barge there. And you can see one of them has this massive fish in it, this huge elephant koi. And he looks up as he finishes pulling it into the ship and he sees the two of you just barreling towards him and his eyes start bugging out of his skull and he's like scrambling over this fish trying to get to safety. So, beginning of the next exchange, who would like to defend and maneuver? Uh, I'd like to do a move that I don't know where it lines up. It's not defend and maneuver. I just want to do my it doesn't belong to you move. Mm. It says when I secretly pocket something owned by someone undeserving. So where would that line up? Let me read the details on this real quick. I, I have a plan and I really, really want it to work. I hope I roll well. Heart <laughs> of the cards. I'll say since it's an aggressive action directly against somebody else, I'll say that'll be advance and attack. That's what I would like to do. All right. So uh, nobody defend and maneuver. All right. So advance and attack. We know that we've got Shotai. Anybody else? Me. <laughs> That was pretty nervous. I'm so nervous, guys. I want this to happen <laughs> so bad. <laughs> All right. And then, Fang, you are evading and observing, I assume? Uh, yes, as I will hopefully be able to clear one fatigue for that. Okay, so nobody is defending and maneuvering this time. And everybody except for Fang is advancing and attacking. So <laughs> let's have Kai and Shitai. Both of you roll with passion. That's a nine, baby. <laughs> All right. I got a big old six. Okay. So, Shotai, you are just like so overcome with emotion over being betrayed by your friend Xana. Xana! Come on! <laughs> I know you think I'm better than you, but seriously, you don't have to like take it out on me. She's going to slap you again. Xana! <laughs> she marks one fatigue to force you to take another condition. How are you feeling now? I'm a little insecure right now. Like, <laughs> seriously, why would she be hitting me so much? All right, so that brings us to Ro and Kai. Kai, what is your plan that you've been cooking up? Okay, so realizing that my hand and feet jetpacks have been a little too effective, I'm going to try and push them out in front of me to slow myself down. And, uh, you know, incidentally, like every technique I've used this fight, I'm going to accidentally use smash to destroy or destabilize something in the environment. And holding out my hands in front of me, trying to slow myself down, I want to obliterate this fish. 
and just torch the ever-living crap out of it, just blacker than black charcoal as I fly in towards it with my flames at full blast. Nice. There is nothing left. What type of fish is it again? The giant one? The elephant koi? The elephant koi will be unrecognizable. That's my goal with how much fire is coming out of my hands trying to slow myself down. Okay. Yeah, so you start slowing yourself down and this giant burst of flame comes out and so Ro was going to try and smash to prevent you from getting any further but at this point I think she inadvertently is going to strike you as she just (laughs) runs into you as you suddenly decelerate and so she smacks into your back and she's not going to mark a fatigue because it was unexpected to her but you get to choose whether you're going to mark two fatigue a condition or shift your balance I'll take two fatigue all right And so you two kind of go stumbling head over heels once more, and you land in a pile in front of the charred carcass of this elephant koi, and Gakata is sitting there behind it, and his eyebrows are starting to smoke. And you can see in his arms, he is holding it tightly, is a net that has the fubu fish in it, and it has puffed up. (laughs) And its spines are kind of sticking into his arms. But the spines aren't venomous. You don't have to worry about that. It's just like the liver and the eyes and some of that stuff. But he's got this fugu fish sticking into his arms as he's holding it close to himself, uh, hoping that it doesn't get charred as well. (sighs) Do I have time to say something here? What would you like to say? (laughs) I just want to like wearily lift my head and go, uh, the big guy at the end of the dock's got the money for these. And then lay my head back down. And speaking of the big guy at the back of the dock, (laughs) the only one who hasn't gone yet, uh, again, Toto doesn't get to go because he is stunned this round. Fang, what would you like to do in response to all of this? Looking back and seeing the charred fish, I take a deep breath and I breathe out, clearing that one fatigue, and I turn and I say, Well, it looks like you're stuck between a walk and a hard place. And then I'm going to <laughs> I'm so gonna roll to see if I can evade and observe. All right. Clear one fatigue and roll with creativity or harmony. That is a seven. <sighs> All right. So you can choose one technique. <laughs> um, I would like to use test balance and mark that one fatigue I just got back. I'm going to spend it now to challenge an engaged foe's balance. So is this going to be against Toto or against Xana? Toto, yeah. I know what his I know what his thing is. Yeah. You already know his principles, so you just shift his balance by questioning or challenging his beliefs or perspective. And I think just the fact that his principle is, I hate the simmering dragon so much, <laughs> I think that's enough to push him over the edge. And he, in fact, loses his balance at that point. (gasps) This doc's going to look like he destroyed it himself. Yeah, he is going to (laughs) lose control of himself in a destructive and harmful way. And he just, like, leaps on top of you and starts, like, trying to pummel you with his spoon. You're blocking it with the walk every which way. And at that point, a small skiff comes in to the dock and pulls up alongside it. And you see a couple of Fire Nation guards step out. They bring the plank up onto the dock and Master Dong Po comes walking up to see all of this carnage. And smash cut to later on after he has sampled the cuisine from (laughs) both restaurants. He is shaking hands with Nai Nai, and she is saying, 
Master Dongpo, don't worry, we will not disappoint you or Fire Lord Sozin like those barbaric wild persimmons. And she glances over at the wild persimmon and you can see that Karen and all of her workers are standing there, some of them a bit more bandaged up than the others, just looking defeated and glaring at you. And as Master Dong Po leaves, Nine Eye turns towards all of you and pulls you in for a big ol' hug and says, Well, I think from here on out, it's going to be flaming fireflakes at every Fire Days festival from now on. Let's celebrate. <laughs> and she brings you all into the back. The sounds of your mirth and partying go up into the night sky. And that is where we're going to conclude today's story in the world of Avatar Legends. Yeah! <laughs> I forgot about my extra fighting technique, and I kind of wish I'd used it now because I can target a foe's vulnerable equipment and render it useless or broken, and I wish I'd broken that spoon. And side is 2020. <laughs> but thanks for listening to Improv Tabletop. We'll be back next week with more of our improvised campaigns, and next month with our final Avatar Aang one-shot before we begin our first full Avatar campaign. So if you want more, go ahead and subscribe, maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as a layabout grandson who has been given permission to eat as many flaming fire flakes as he wants if you would give us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We're also all over social media at Improv Tabletop. So if you'd like to reach out to us and maybe suggest for one of our improvised campaigns a setting for us to play in or aspect for one of our characters to use, you can tweet about us, you can comment on one of our posts using hashtag ImpTab setting or hashtag ImpTab aspect. Let's do a round of plugs. What I would like to plug this time around is the Avatar comic books, which take place after the cartoon series. In particular, the comic book series, The Promise, which gave us the village of Yudao. That is where it exists within the canon of the Avatar universe. And while we explored a bit of the beginnings of this settlement here, uh, these comic books take place in a really interesting time when Aang has you know, defeated Fire Lord Ozai and he's trying to figure out how to bring harmony to the nations and wondering, is it time to split up these Fire Nation colonies in the Earth Kingdom? And a lot of kind of the moral quandaries that he goes through with that. So really cool stuff. Check out those comics and uh, enjoy some more wonderful Avatar lore. Maybe Shirtai's descendants are in that comic book. Maybe, <laughs> who knows? I think Shirtai learned a lot today. I think she learned that people who say that are your friends maybe aren't. And I don't know that that person ever said they were your friends. And the Fire Nation is superior to the Earth Kingdom. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thomas, do you have anything positive that you would like to plug? Yes. All jokes and uh, tension aside, I'd like to plug just loving each other. Just make sure that you really are doing what you can to love each other and see things from other people's perspective. And although this was maybe drastically showing the tension that was building leading up to Fire Lord Sozin taking over the world, don't be like Shuratai. Be like literally anybody else in the world of Avatar. <laughs> 
a message for the ages. Yes. And uh, lastly, there's no good way to segue it, but we got a sister podcast. I cast Fireball. And if you've listened to literally any other episode with me on this channel, you've heard me talking about I cast Fireball, where it's a D&D actual play 5e adventure where we go through the campaign Tyranny of Dragons, where Ned is a player. We've got some super fun uh, episodes coming up here where we get into some very obscure indie film references and uh, some possibly tense battles where life and limb may be lost. Check us out. What a story, Thomas. <laughs> oh, man. Evan, you got anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, I mean, generally I uh, try and keep the plugs between our Avatar one-shots and our uh, main series campaigns a little separate. But, uh, you know, anyone who's listened to uh, the main campaigns I've been on recently knows uh, I also was recently betrayed by someone I thought was a friend. <laughs> and uh, so I get where Thomas is coming from, but he's right. You need to still show love, you know, even though this friend of mine who will remain unnamed was so horrible to me <laughs> i still have to uh move forward and continue to love the people around me uh, and maybe one day try and forgive him we'll see but yeah well that's all i got right on and christian you got anything that you would like to plug yeah i want to plug you guys listening I was talking to Ned just a little while ago about how cool it is that we get to do this. It's super cool that we get to do this and share it with people. So just want to say you guys are awesome. My plug is the catchers of the pod. So wait, the, isn't the catchers of the pod the apps? That is the industry term, I believe. So your plug is uh, iTunes and Pocket Casts and Oh, well, I, I just and... thought it meant your ear holes. <laughs> No, audience, we love you. We love you, audience. <laughs> yeah, we're super glad that you're listening, and we hope that you continue to enjoy our Avatar episodes moving forward, and maybe even our Fate campaigns as well. But thanks for joining us here in the world of Avatar Legends. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by... Thomas Brower, a pacifist at heart. Uh, Evan Peterson, incidentally effective. Christian Randall, the responsible one, for once. Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next week on Improv Tabletop. That's true, Thomas. This is a great D&D ASMR sound. D&D ASMR <laughs> coming to Improv Tabletop this April Fools. <laughs> Airbender. Cactus juice. It'll quench you. The quenchiest. Also, oh, no. Okay, th that's getting cut out. <laughs> After credit scene, baby.